Today, we're looking at a message called generational responsibility. And I think I've had more questions about what does that mean, generational responsibility. Um, For those of you who have children in our children's ministry, you have the distinct opportunity for the children to be influenced by what we call generations of grace. That material was put together, that curriculum was put together over 11 years it took to put that material together. It was a lot of joy and a lot of delight in putting that together. But uh, mom and dad, it's not the answer for Christian parents. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. During the formulation of this material, there were many trials and many failures. Two previous tries of generations of grace were placed in the circular file. You know what I mean by that. But through the perseverance of some wonderful men and women, it was written for the church of Jesus Christ. That's what it was written for. We just heard that there is an order coming in for 5,000 churches in China. Now, obviously, that has to be underground, but 5,000? We never thought of anything like that. The reason that it was written was to help parents to pass on their faith to the next generation. That's why it was written. Now, while I may be looking at the passage that inspired the name of the curriculum, this message is for all of us, not just for parents. Why do I say that? It's because it's the responsibility, it's the duty of the whole church to be passing on their faith to the next generation. Uh, Do I need to repeat that? It's your responsibility to be passing it on to the next generation. Because generations come and generations go. First, understand you can't pass on something you may not have. And second, to pass it on well, you must be actually living it. To pass it on well, you must actually be living it. So if you wouldn't mind opening up your Bibles to Psalm 78, Psalm 78, it's really the whole Psalm, but we're going to look at the concentrate on the first eight verses there, and uh, I'm going to read it for us, but Psalm 78, if you would open for there, to there, verse one, listen, O my people, to my instruction, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation 
a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. This is a psalm of warning. This is a psalm of alarm to pass on from one generation to the next the truth of God's word. The purpose of this psalm is to get to the heart of the people. That's the purpose of this psalm, is to get to the heart of the people. The purpose of this psalm is to remind them that this free gift of salvation that we have is to be shared with others. It's not just us four, no more, close the door. The plan of this psalm is to use these historical events that are going to be mentioned here, those things that happened in the past, to bring conviction to bring realization of their need for God, to get to the heart of the people. This psalm is about blessing and warning. Makes me think about Deuteronomy 27 and 28. It's about blessing and cursing there. This is a warning and a warning for all of us. Beloved, this message is most important to all people of God in all generations. Today we would say... It is good to learn from our mistakes, wouldn't we? But the question is, do we? The question is, do we learn from our mistakes? Israel, over and over and over and over and over again, didn't learn. Is the church any different that we would learn from our mistakes? Historically, the psalmist is going to show that Israel was stubborn and stiff-necked. And I thought it was only the Irish. And by the way, I say that because I'm Irish. But Israel's stubbornness has implications for all of us. All of us who call ourselves New Testament believers. If we do not learn from our mistakes, it has implications for all of us. It has implications even for the future of Grace Community Church. Talking just generally with someone this morning and and just mentioned about past uh, seminaries that used to be good. Princeton, Harvard, used to be seminaries. I, I don't know why you would ever send anybody, why anybody would want to go to those seminaries at this time. They've changed. And even some others that are more recent. One commentator said this, the past is the the great interpreter of the present and the safeguard for the future. That's what we need to see. It is a safeguard for us as New Testament believers. So let's start with the psalm. Psalm 78, verse 1. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. This is a call for everyone to listen. Not just parents. Not just teachers, not just elders, not just bishops, not just anybody, but all of us to listen. He says, oh, my people, from the gatekeeper to the priest in the temple, from the security guard to the elder. That's what he's saying. Oh, my people, all of you need to listen. There is a grave responsibility on the part of those who follow God, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, to listen, to listen. Friends, listening and heeding the word of God is not something ordinary. 
listening and heeding the word of God is not something that is ordinary. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes planning. It takes determination on your part. Just don't take the teaching that comes out of the pulpits here at Grace Community Church. Yes, that's good, I would hope, but go beyond that to your own study. Ordinary sort of hearing leads to ordinary sort of life. Yeah, you you could take it or leave it. It's really not that important. You see, we are to submit ourselves to the word of truth so that it impacts our hearts, so that it changes our hearts. Because it will make us into an extraordinary kind of believer, an extraordinary kind of people that can pass it on to the next generation. It shouldn't be just the seminary's responsibility, but it should be all of our responsibility, each and every one of us. Matter of fact, we should be looking at each other and saying, are you in seminary? Not just for the seminarians. I hear that asked so many, so often. Anytime you see a young guy, you must be in seminary. No. doesn't mean that you're in seminary. But we all should act better than the seminary. All of us are to listen, the psalmist says here. All of us are to incline our ears, incline our hearts to take in this instruction. The psalmist is instructing the reader to pay heed to what is about to be said. It is important. Make sure you're listening to it. The writer is calling upon the people of God to recognize the wonder and the glory of God. God can only be talking here to those who are really believers, can he? That's all he can be talking to because if you're not a believer, you can't hear. God hasn't awakened your heart. You haven't begged for repentance. You haven't begged for forgiveness. You haven't come alive yet. So, why listen? Why listen? You listen to see how Yahweh provides. You listen to see how Yahweh protects his chosen ones. The psalmist uses history. Things from the past to teach his lesson. We could do that here at Grace Community Church to go back to the past, 1957, and and teach, 1959, I'm sorry, and teach about the future, whichever it is, 57, 59. We can learn from wrong choices, can't we? The the, the choices that we made and, and sometimes continue to make, the writer of this psalm is actually wanting to shake these people up to listen to what he has to say. What he has to say is important. Let's go look at verses 12 through 16. Here's what happens when you don't listen. This is what happens when you don't listen. Verse 12, he wrought wonders before their fathers in the land of Egypt and the field of Zoan. He divided the sea. I'm sorry, this is what you, you see when you do listen. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through and he made the water stand up like a heap. And so I'm sitting there thinking about it, and this is not the Los Angeles River, folks. Okay? This is not the L.A. River. This is God dividing the waters to get to Catalina from Long Beach. That's what it is. 
different. I've been to the Red Sea. It's not what some writers talk about. It's much more significant. That's what he did. He divided that. Then he led them with the cloud by day and and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them abundant drink like the ocean depths. He brought forth streams also from the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. We see this abundance of provision by God over and over again. We see this abundance of protection by God over and over and over again. He has not stopped, folks. His attributes have not given in. They still are going today. The psalmist is saying for all of us, look at God. Look at what he has done. And tell others about it. Be astounded at what God has done. Be in awe of what this good and generous God has done. I'm going to thank the folks who started Grace Community Church back in 57 or 59, are astounded at what God has done. I know some of them. They are. They would never have thought this little podunk church on Roscoe Boulevard. By the way, when this church started, Cantera was the main street. That's how far you go back. Okay? Think about it. And where and what God has done. And remember this, God has done it. God has put this together. Our God is good. He makes protection. He gives us protection. He makes provision for us. Crossing the Red Sea, cloud by day, a pillar of flame by night. We can't even imagine those kinds of things. Plenty of water in the middle of the desert. Look at Psalm 78, verses 2 and 3. It says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. And the fathers did that quite often. I don't know if you've ever been to a Jewish Seder in New York when, before I was even a Christian, I I sat down at a Jewish Seder and they had this chair that was empty. And so I asked Mr. Perlman, Mr. Perlman, why is that seat empty? That's for Elisha. But what does that do? It gives him opportunity to tell me. And what is this for? Everything on the table had a reason for being there. And he brought it out, what it was there for, what it was there for. That's what the Jewish nation passes on to themselves. But there's a reason for those things. There's a reason for them to keep their eyes on God and not look at their circumstances. I will open my mouth in a parable. That's an interesting word to be used there. This is an attempt to place a story or past history of Israel alongside para, alongside their present in order to warn them, in order to tell them not to repeat it. Don't do that again. Don't do it again. A parable is also a weighty saying, something of grave importance, something that you need to know. It should be laying a deep impression upon the mind of the reader. Look at what God has done in the past. Let the generation know now what he has done in the past. 
Their past was one of sin. Their past was one of rebellion. Don't repeat it. Then after that sin and rebellion was repentance and then forgiveness. But folks, even if there's repentance, there's still going to be a price to pay. But even with that repentance, they went back to it again and again and again and again. I, I tell the counseling class, and maybe I've said it here, I don't know, so please forgive me if I have. I have folks coming into my office week after week after week after week confessing the same thing. So once in a while, I turn my collar around. I said, well, you're treating me like a priest. So I might as well just give you absolution here. Because that's what it's like, folks. If you keep going and confessing, I keep bringing it before the Lord, and you're not truly repenting. You see, repentance means I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to go back there again. And I tell that to him. And of course, I know, folks, I, I live in this world as well, the notations that are out there. But week after week after week with no um, kind of a, an advance, it scares me. It scares me. And, and I'll have some of them, after I do something like that, look at me and say, Pastor, do you think I'm a Christian? I said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I, I would like the Lord to place an E on everybody's back and say, elect. And this is what I could say. Just show me your shoulder and you have an E on it. Folks, it's not there. It's only by your life. By the way, the $20,000 for me was for the, the walking in the spirit or whatever. And I mean, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. I went, I don't know how that fits, but... <laughs> Okay, but that's what it's supposed to be, isn't it, for the Christian? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? This is a weighty saying. It has grave importance. The past for the Jew was one of sin. The past for the Jew was one of rebellion. How can you be in the middle of the desert and complain to God that the food that he's giving you isn't good enough? And you start talking about the leeks and all of this other stuff. You want to go back to the Jewish deli in Egypt? There's no Jewish deadly in Egypt. You were a slave there. But that's what they start to do. Look at what God is doing today in your life. That's sin and rebellion. Repentance over and over and over. Consequences are never eliminated, though, folks, in sin. Consequences are never eliminated. Do not, in your life, my friends fall into the same kind of pattern. Don't fall into the same kind of pattern. This is what happens. Verses 9 and 10 of Psalm 78. The sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows. By the way, this was one of the mightiest of the tribes. Yet they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. Uh, largest and strongest of the tribes, they forgot. They forgot the workings of God. And God brought them to judgment. God brought them to judgment. Friends, I'm, I'm old enough. I know some of you still think I'm 39, but I'm older than that. Friends, I'm old enough to see that some folks never get it. Some folks never get it. They continue to test God. 
they continue to relish their sin. And then consequence after consequence after consequence doesn't remind them that God is not happy. God is not happy with their choices. We didn't even go to the New Testament. Galatians 6, 7, it says there, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, this he will reap. If you keep doing it over and over and over again, there may be a day where he goes, no more grace. Romans 1, God gave them over. Romans 124, 126, and 128, God gave them over. God gave them over. You see, we're accountable to God. We will stand one day before God. And he will say, why did you keep going back to that thing over and over and over again? In Romans uh, chapter 15, you don't need to turn there, verse 4, it says this, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. You see, that's what we have today for us. That's the story, God's story for us, is to go back to the Scriptures and see His great provision. See his great provision, the great story that he has for us. I, just briefly, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, just, I, 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 that verse just popped in my head, and I know that you will be blessed by this. Keep this in mind about your God. It says there, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance of every good deed. Five times, Paul uses the superlative there. God is able, all grace, always, all sufficiency, everything, and abundance and every good deed. Over and over and over again, we're told throughout the scriptures, I'm here, folks. Come to me, that is God, and I will listen. I will help you. But what do we do? We run off. We don't listen. We keep doing what we want to do. I just, I, you know, this week I had a guy come to me and said, you know, Pastor, I'm so sorry. I, I went on the computer again. I go on the computer every day. And he said, well, I went on the computer and I went to the wrong place. You know what he's talking about. I know what he's talking about. I said, you know, there are a lot of wrong places on the computer, but there are a lot of good places on the computer. You have to learn now not to go on the computer to the wrong place. Where were you when you started on the computer because that was the wrong place? It wasn't once you got on the computer and it took you there. Somehow the, the computer dragged you there. Are you serious? I've never seen a computer drag you there. No, you had that in your heart before you started. I, I was pretty hard on this fellow. I said, your heart wasn't right before you got there because you're not in his word, because you're not seeking God. You're seeking self. That's the problem. We have God's story. It's plain, it's simple, it's not difficult. The more you read, the more you know, 
the more you study, the more you meditate, the more you memorize God's word, you are able to not repeat those past blunders. So get to it. Get to it. Learn the lesson now. Learn the lesson now so that you don't have tragedy after tragedy and you don't have pain after pain. Psalm 72, 78-2. Dyslexia said in there. The last part of it says, I will utter. I love that expression. It's talking about water in abundance. That's water that's flowing out in abundance. It is like a spring that has sprung with an incredible amount of water. That's not the LA River. It is talking about incredible amount of water coming through. That's what we should be speaking. I will utter. I will utter dark sayings of old and say to people, don't do this. Do this. Folks, there are great joys and great blessings about being a Christian. Tell others about those great joys and great blessings about being a Christian. Last night was one of them, wasn't it? Can I get an amen? Amen. Yeah, I'm not a Baptist, but we can still do that. These are the benefits we enjoy by walking with the Lord, the fellowship that we have. We have a great privilege to tell how God has made provision, how he has given us purpose in this life. One evening this week, uh, my wife and I were having dinner with one of the seminary students, and he was telling us that when he came to seminary, he had this, zero. He said, I didn't know how we were going to make it here. But he kept on going and going and going. How God has provided an apartment for him. How God has provided a job for him. How God has provided abundance for him. And that when he graduates, he's going to graduate with more than he came with. And I got to tell you, I'm sitting there just listening and smiling. Because that was just a great story of God's provision for him over and over again. And it's not just for seminary students, folks. But you live the life that God wants you to live. That's what you can expect. And yes, it may not be in money or an apartment or a job, but it's going to be in peace of your heart with him. He provides over and over and over it's sheer delight to listen to this man. I got to tell you, he kept getting more excited and more excited and more excited about this. They were simple blessings. I mean, he did not hit the lottery, folks. But he was seeing the simple blessings of, of getting this apartment that he could now manage for this man. And he was happy with it. God did that. Psalm 78, 4. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. Why would anyone, I, I got to tell why would anyone want to conceal the works of God from their children or anyone else? When I first got saved, I mean, I just couldn't wait to tell people. My boss, Jewish, my supervisor Jewish. I'm, I, I got to tell him. I got to tell him. I got, my mother, not Jewish. I got to tell him. <laughs> Our friends back in New York. We, he, a matter of fact, you know what he said? 
are you sure you're saved? Because he knew me. <laughs> he knew me. He said, are you sure? And he was already a Christian and he wanted to make sure. So he started to test me on the phone. It was funny. I said, no, no, I, I'm really saved. I really know the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't you tell everybody? Be excited about it. Why would anyone want to conceal the works of God? It's not thinkable. I can't even, it's not even comprehensible that you would want to do that. God is good and he's greatly to be praised. So do it. Especially this time of the year. We have an opening even. Especially this time of the year. I can remember when I was in business and, and I would ask people, you know what? One of the questions I was asked after I got saved, how can I pray for you? One guy looked at me and says, you pray? I know it's pretty unusual for a salesman to do that, but I did. <laughs> and so I, she gave me some prayer requests. Guess what? The next time I go in there, I ask her, you did. I said, it's only because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. Because you've known me before I got saved. Look at Psalm 145. The psalmist there can't, can't contain himself. Psalm 145, he just absolutely lets it loose. And in Psalm 145, he says this, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. You know, we will do that in heaven. Don't wait until then, folks. Start now. Start now. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and mighty to, and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. We will not ever, this side of heaven, understand God. And you know what? I kind of think that when we get to the other side, we still won't understand him all the way. He'll still be unsearchable because he's God. Verse 4, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works. I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts and I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. Folks, shout joyfully of his righteousness in your life of his provision, of, of his protection of you. I, I, over and over again, I see the workings of God. And, and it just astounds me, why would he do that? But he does, over and over and over again. Back to Psalm 78, verse 4 there, it said the words conceal there. Conveys the idea of refusing to make something known can you imagine being a Christian and refusing to make something known? Hiding it? Hiding it from public view? No, we want them to know. Folks, Pastor John is preaching about the second coming. The Lord is not that far behind here. He's coming soon. There are others out there that still need to be saved. And, and I think there is a certain number. So if they get saved, we all go. So please hurry up. And if there's anyone here, you're, you're delaying things, okay? That doesn't know him. The truth about the past must be told to successive generations over and over again. 
you know, we live in a day of abundance here at Grace Community Church. We really do. Back in 1992, uh, our senior staff uh, um, guy came into our staff meeting and said, uh, I need four pastors that uh, can retire, leave, do something. You got to go. So we look at him. Of course, he's going to tell us. He tells us that the budget is upside down, 1992, and we need four people to go. And I, I need you to write out paper for me. So I wrote on there, you know, uh, I'm ready to go. I'm graduating from seminary. If that's, what the, if that's what the elders want, sure, I can go. So I wrote it out and I handed it in. And other men did that. You know, we folded it up, gave it to him. And, you know, it, it's interesting. Some, from that moment on, Grace Church has never had a want. Never had a need, but they were diligent to take care of what they needed to take care of. Now, they supported everybody as they were still trying to look for positions, but four men had to go. You know, I came back and I told my kids, you know, this is what the elders were talking about, and they said, Dad, just leave the keys. <laughs> you, you get the idea. <laughs> they wanted to stay at Grace Community Church because they knew the blessing of it. And it is a blessing to be there. Don't conceal it. Let the success of generations know about what God is doing in your life. The lessons from the past are invaluable for those who have not heard it. If you've not heard the great works of God, tell somebody else. It's foolishness to hide the experiences of the past from the children of today. I know, you know, we went on this little trip with my 14-year-old granddaughter. She, she doesn't quite understand all that's going on. And I asked her when we were away, I said, well, where are you at with the Lord? Because that was one of the reasons for the trip, was to see where, where is she at? She says she's a Christian, but, you know, she's 14. Who knows? She's 14. You see, your responsibility, my responsibility is to pass it on to the next generation about the glories of God. Now, I know that you all don't have children. That's, that's okay. Maybe you've been blessed more than others. <laughs> and, and I'm stretching the context here of this psalm a little bit. But you know what? We're all in the same family. You are my family. You are my brothers and you are my sisters. And that's what I'm talking about. You pass it on to the next generation. And even for that person who comes in here for the first time, we pass it on to them. We want them to know our God because we love what he's doing in our life. And I'm talking about even the trials, folks. It's okay. The trials are okay. He's there with you. You go back to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He's there. He gives you abundant grace through all of those. But pass it on. Be an example for the rest of your family. That young man this week, I was just, I sat back and I, I mean, I was satisfied. I didn't need to eat the meal. I was satisfied with just what he had to say about how God has blessed him. I fear though, that some of us are being taught through the present society that we're in, through the news, through friends maybe, through our neighbors, you know, not wanting to offend them, maybe even the school, to think differently that our God isn't so great. 
I've been reading um, in the inerrant word, the history. I, I read Nathan Busnitz and I'm reading Stephen Nichols right now. And it's just absolutely astounding to me that they show historically how over and over and over again, we have failed to pass it on to the next generation. Don't let Grace Church be just one of those as well. Most churches don't last biblically for a generation or two. Make sure that we're passing it on to others. You see, we are influenced so easily by the godless institutions that are trying to capture your soul. You know, even in that debate with John, not debate, question and answer with Ben Shapiro, in the commercial that came on, <laughs> the talk therapy. I mean, can you imagine? You can get $45 off for a month, you know? Oh, what in the world? What are people thinking? What are people thinking? Just remember this world is Satan's world. It's not God's yet. Not until he returns. You need to always battle the influence of your children's school. And I, I hate to say this, parents. You have to battle that influence because it's out there. Whether they go to Christian school or to public school, I don't care. They are being influenced. I remember my daughter, I mean, she's in high school. This goes back a long time ago. <laughs> and I'm listening to the teacher, you know, they have parents day, and I'm listening to the teacher, I'm going, my eyes are going cross. You're kidding me. This is a Christian school, and you're saying, what? So I go up to her afterwards, and I say, what church are you going to? And, and she tells me what church she's going. I went, uh-oh. That's the influence my daughter has to be under. That's the influence that she's going to be under. So you have to battle that. You battle that in your home. You battle that in your place of employment. There are so many things out there that want to capture your heart. And that's what happened to the Hebrews. Let's look at some of these bad influences here and what the result was, what the bad influence happened here, what the outcome was. Um, 78, Psalm 78, verses 17 and 18. Yet they still continued to sin. After all that provision that we saw there in 12 through 16, yet they still continued to sin against him, to rebel against the Most High in the desert. And in their heart, they put God to the test by asking food according to their desire. Give me, give me, give me what I want. I don't have what I want. Give me more. Give me something better. Look, all I have is a 42-inch TV. I want a 72-inch TV. Are you serious? 21 and 22. Therefore the Lord heard and was full of wrath, and a fire was kindled against Jacob, and the anger was mounted against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Is salvation not enough? Is that what, and this is, that's what this is. Is salvation not enough? Take me home. Salvation is all I need. Doesn't matter what happens after salvation. God has done abundantly in my life. I know what I deserve in you. Verse 31 through 33. The anger of God rose against them and killed some of their stoutest men and subdued the choices of men. In spite of all this, they still sinned. Can you imagine that? 
If there were judgment brought, they still sinned. Can you imagine when the rapture comes? Pastor is talking about. I don't think I'm going to steal any of his thunder. But when the rapture comes, there will be some who may be sitting here, or some at least sitting out there, who have heard the message, they're going to still sin. They're going to still take their choices. This is what I want. I don't care. This is what I want. And they still sinned and did not believe in his wonderful works. So he brought their days to an end in futility and their years in sudden terror. That's scary. That's what happens to those who don't listen, who don't heed God, who don't tell about his great works. Verses 40 to 42. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again and again, they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember. They did not remember his power. Are you serious? Telling over and over and over again those stories they still didn't remember. Folks, just because you hear the story doesn't mean that you... Listen to the story. You've had children. If you had children, you know, sometimes you tell them to do something and they they heard you, but they didn't hear you. Unless you have different children than me. They, they, They didn't. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the adversary. I don't know. Maybe they went to sleep at that time. They were out to lunch. Verses 56. Yet they tempted and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned back and acted treacherously like their fathers. They turned aside like the treacherous bow, for they provoked him with their high places and aroused his jealousy with their graven images. They kept worshiping Satan. They worshiped an idol. When God heard, he was filled with wrath. And greatly abhorred Israel. That's his chosen nation, remember. So that he abandoned the dwelling place at Shiloh, the tent which he had pitched among men, and gave up his strength to captivity and his glory into the hand of the adversary. He also delivered his people to the sword and was filled with wrath at his inheritance. Fire devoured his young men and his virgins had no wedding song. That's telling you of the end of the nation even. His priests fell by the sword and his widows could not weep. It was so bad they couldn't even weep anymore. They were drained of anguish. That's what happens. That's the influence of the world. Rebellion after rebellion. This sequence of wickedness on the part of God's chosen people is a picture of treachery gone wild. Apostasy, rebellion, sinfulness, idol worship. Over and over again, the psalmist here says, yet they still sinned, verses 17, 32, 40, and 56. We are to teach by example, folks. We are to teach by word, and and we teach the rest of the family. When you fall silent about the goodness of God, the family of God weakens. When you don't remember all of his goodness to you, and, and somehow, you know, you start 
griping or complaining or grumbling. Well, the elders, they put the pink on the wall and we shouldn't have pink. Forget about the pink. Who cares? I hope there's no pink on the wall. Let everyone know how you have been blessed by God. Whether you let them know your testimony of salvation, which is always neat, and I'd love to hear testimonies of salvation, or the testimony of God's providence. See, I got it in there, Carl. The testimony of God's providence and provision in your life. Let them know how he's done it. I want you to know that I have been specifically blessed by the union of doulos and faith builders, without a doubt. I have been blessed by working with Carl Hargrove. Last night was just a, an indication of that blessing. I mean, it, it gives me goosebumps to even talk about it because God cares about us, even in those things like that, a Western Christmas party. Can you imagine? God sees his people enjoying one another. God sees his people communicating with one, or, one another, getting to know one another. Matter of fact, I got to talk to a very lovely lady last night and hearing about her and, and hearing from another person and hearing all kinds of things. As we write on the hearts of our children, and that talks about the next generation, we write on the hearts of our brothers and sisters. Our confidence, our confidence grows. We are strengthened as a body of Christ. It grows. You then can say, my God is my portion, and he will get me through this difficult trial. 78, back to 78, you look at verses, the end of verse 5 there, it says this, that they should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children. This is specifically where we got generations of grace from. Because we wanted to pass it on to the next generation. Matter of fact, generations of grace is in the second generation. Did you know that? Yeah, because it was redone and, and uh, updated and colorified and whatever else it was. Oh my dear, what, what, what a legacy we have here at Grace Community Church. What a heritage that's built into the fabric of the church where we love and we care for one another. The next generation is watching. I understand it's Generation X, am I correct? They're watching. They're watching. Are you real? Keep up the good work. Leaders come. And leaders go, folks. But the word of God will last forever. Is the next generation going to follow that word of God? Because they see you following that word of God. Deuteronomy 4 9, you don't need to turn there. It says, Make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Now, now this is not excluding women, and it's just politically correct not correct information here. So um, you got to use the right kind of language, you know, in this day and age. No, it means everybody. It means everybody. My grandgirls have had plenty from me. And there's more to come if God gives grace. The question is, have they seen realness 
and genuineness of a walk with Christ. Your children are watching as well in your homes. Is there realness and genuineness of Christ in your life? Psalm 78.7 says this, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God and keep his commandments. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. The psalmist is telling the present generation to put their hope in God and to trust in him. I I love Isaiah 26.4, trust in the Lord, okay, forever, trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord, he is an everlasting rock, solid. I can depend upon him. I may not be able to depend on people, but I can always depend upon him. Charles Spurgeon said this, a frequent mention of the things is the best art of memory. So tell them to your children. Put confidence in their heart that God can provide. Friends, the only thing that you can truly have confidence in is God. Not in government, not your employer, not even fill in the blank. Whatever it is, only in God. Transmitting the truth about the past is essential. The truth creates confidence in God. The idea here is that a parent is to bring their children to the point where they can admire and they can obey God. And they want to obey God. And now here, verse 8, is the ultimate warning, folks. And not be like your fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful. You see, folks, the result of not passing on generational responsibility is madness, anarchy, and turmoil. Defeat and disgrace became the history of that nation of Israel. They were, they were taken into captivity, brought to Babylon, over, over and over again, punished for their rebellion. The word that is used by the psalmist is stubborn. Stubborn. And may I say, folks, that word is well known by some of us. The stubborn generation found itself in trouble received consequences, incredible consequences. We do as well, folks, if we don't stay with the word of God. Stubbornness, though, is a malady of the heart. Stubbornness is not willing to give into the grace of God. Stubbornness is saying, I know better. Stubbornness is saying, I do not need to confess my sins. Stubbornness is saying, I don't need to repent. Stubbornness will be dealt with by God. Stubbornness will be dealt with. As we look around at our nation, bereft of God, godly principles, there's a breakdown in society. It is getting worse with lawlessness being applauded nowadays. Some of the cities have turned into homeless camps. Why? Because God exited stage right. No, no, actually he was pushed out stage left. The psalmist is calling his readers to imitate the faithfulness of those 
who are loyal followers of God. Friends, in your home, in your sphere of influence, the people that are closest to you know whether you are a follower of Christ. They do. Over the years, I've had some young people come back and tell me about their parents. Now, I don't always take the word of somebody coming in. You know, Proverbs 18 says, the first to plead his case sounds just until another comes and examines him. I, I know that. But these young people are coming back and saying, this Christian parent who used to go to Grace Church, who doesn't go to church anymore, was a hypocrite. Was a hypocrite. I've seen it. It pains the heart to know that. Some young people want to get their children into church because they think church is good for them. This is what the United States of America has always done, so let's do that. But in their home, it's been a home of hypocrisy. That's a violation of exactly what the psalmist is telling us. That's not passing on faith. That's scary because you're going to be held accountable for it whenever that day comes. Do not live a life of hypocrisy. We may not see it here at Grace Community Church. We may not see it at a Christmas party. We, we, you may not hide it, or you may hide it there, but at home you can't hide it. They're going to see it. May I give you my last parting instruction? Go home, sit down with your family, confess it, that you have been a hypocrite. Repent. Change. Change your attitude. Change your direction. Change your plan of life even so that you can be the mother, the father, the, the child of your parent, whatever it is. Seek forgiveness for those things. Let your home be a place where you sit at the master's feet. You imbibe his delights rather than just on Sunday. Because Sunday's not enough, I can tell you. It needs to be throughout the week that you are taking in the things of God and where you are passing on the things of God, the wonders that he has for your whole family. Now, I once asked some men and women when I did a conference in South Korea to go home and repent. And I was shocked that the husbands that weren't being the husbands they needed to be and the wives that weren't being the wives they needed to be would go home that night and would do that exact thing. Could you imagine? Somebody listened to me. <laughs> but the next morning, they got up there and they started confessing their sin to everybody else. We're not going to ask you to do that, okay? But see the seriousness of which they took it. They did go home and they did confess and they did repent of it and then they came before everybody else declaring, keep me accountable to be the right kind of husband, the right kind of wife. And so you are accountable before God. You heard the message. 
So see that it's important. It's important for you and it's important for me that we pass on to the next generation. And for some reason, the next generation seems to be coming faster and faster, okay? It's lovely to see all these babies being brought here and born here and didn't make a sound. But that child is going to get bigger and bigger before you know it, Kevin. And you won't be able to keep up with her. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these folks. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, how much you care for us because this story that's in Psalm 78 is throughout all of the Old Testament over and over and over and over again. Where you call your people to repentance, where you call them to have worship of the one and only true God. And they fail, and they fail, and they fail. Lord, we now live in the age of grace. We know that if you have truly called us and we are truly yours, that we still have that grace, but Lord, there's still consequence for failure. Still consequence for having a lackadaisical attitude towards our salvation. I pray that for each person here, Lord, that they would take this seriously. Generational responsibility of passing on their faith to the next generation is up to them. We pray this in your name. Amen.